1: Plushcare.com slash weight loss.
2: Welcome to The Mentor. I'm Mike Boris. In a tech saturated world, ironically, we're looking for more ways to disconnect. Pinot and Picasso is a paint and wine sipping studio. Bring your own, basically. And it's a franchise business and has been buoyed by the success of people desperate to get away from their screens. Founders Aaron Carrasco and James Crow are high school mates turned business partners who set up their first franchise in Penrith, in Sydney's West, around three years ago. And make no mistake, these guys aren't artists by any stretch of imagination, but they can create an experience that can be franchised and maintained by a franchise or, and they do know how to have a sip of wine. Today, the guys have 64 studios operating in Australia, three studios in New Zealand, and I'm sure they're looking to take the business overseas as soon as possible. They've somehow managed to get Penrith royalty, Beck and Ivan Cleary. Yep, that's right, from Penrith, Panthers fame, who have just invested in a franchise located in Sydney's Northern Beaches. I'm going to chat to Darren James about assessing and rationalising risk, particularly when it comes to deciding to take your first big leap into business. How you use data to rationalise decision making and judgments in a business that relies heavily on experience you know, the emotional thing and expanding your franchise business which relies on those experience into other international markets particularly about the culture of international markets how do i use data around the decisions and judgments to be successful in those international markets so let's get into it James and Aaron welcome to the mentor Thank you for
3: having us. Thanks,
2: Mark. Um, all right, we're going we're gonna to talk about your business a little bit later, um, business being called Pinot and Picasso, which is pretty cute. Um, and We'll talk about the name. We'll talk about what it means. I don't know why I chose Pinot as opposed to Chardonnay, but I guess it's going to be something to do with the name. Um, but let's just go back a little bit. Um, where are you two boys from?
0: We're from Penrith. Penrith boys. Western
2: Sydney, New South Wales. Right. So, so you grew up born and bred there? Grew up there? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, wow. Uh, you look like an, you know James. You, you, we had a footballer Roosters who looked very much similar to you. I mean, every team's got to have one redhead in the side. Like uh, you've T- got token maniac. You've got to have a red. you got to have, a <laughs> you gotta you have a red. Totally, you must. I mean, I remember um, Ricky Stewart used to always say that you've got to have a red nut in the side, otherwise your side's not complete. And um, but you look like a guy we had in our side for many years, uh, very similar. Do you guys play footy or what's your deal? So actually
0: uh, we played footy at school together, uh, rugby union. We went to just a little private school in Penrith and it was very, very like basic type rugby union. And and James, I, I played a lot of football, rugby league outside of that, but I'll always say James is the most powerful ball runner I've ever seen. So um, he could have been anything if he probably In rugby union? In rugby union yeah, he yeah. applied himself a little bit harder. But if I, had yeah.
3: to, I think I think it was a fitness game for me back in the day. I was too concerned with, with cheeseburgers than um been getting some kilometers in the legs. Yeah, you 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 didn't like to run. No, nah, not at all mate. Yeah,
2: yeah. But Sean he could Charles. run. But he could run good, Aaron.
0: When he when he got going and uh, and came off the back fence it was pretty to
2: watch. Yeah. Were you in the same school, same year? Correct. Yeah. Yep. Like we mates at school.
0: Yeah, yeah, and 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 as we went a little bit further down uh high school we we definitely became a lot closer and then once we went to university we didn't go to the same university, but yeah, definitely stayed in touch and it, it only got a little bit stronger as you started to go out a little bit more and um, really, you know, know who you want to be with as friends and it's been it's been awesome since.
2: Yeah, it's it's already cool that uh, you know, there's a, a stereotype that people from outer west, I mean I'm from sort of these days called inner west, I guess, but um then it was out of west when I went there, lived there. But today outer west like Penrith, there's a stereotype that um, you know, you either could become tradies or uh you know no good or whatever, you know, gangsters. <laughs> There's a whole lot of stereotypes. But, the, you know, there is also a cohort of people who, you know, try hard at school and end up at uni, not to say that that's the be on end or but nonetheless you represent a, a cohort of people who are slightly different to what would be typically considered to be the stereotype of uh, Penrith. Uh, you know, you didn't end up playing for the Panthers um, <laughs> or anybody else that matter. Um, what was the influence on you? Two guys individually, maybe start with you, Aaron. What was the influence on you to go to university? I
0: think the the system that we we came through. Um, my both my parents were migrants from uh, into Australia in the early eighties. Mum's South African, my dad's Chilean. Um, they worked really really hard to put us through a really good school. What the fuck,
2: South African and Chilean? Yes. So how mate, how did that how did so that they happen? both
0: uh, migrated to Cabramatta in the golden yeah. eighties period to yeah um, move to Australia and they were neighbours and. Huh. I guess the rest is history, and they then set up uh, a little bit further out west in, in Glenmore Park, which was um, a really fledgling suburb at the time, and they worked really, really hard to put us through um, a good education. So um, it was always kind of in line to, you know, you go to uni and, and become a professional. Um I went to uni to do podiatry, and then I suppose four years down the track um, in my last semester, actually, I, was, I actually thought, I actually hate this. Huh. I hate this more than anything. Um, and I just saw, I guess – um, what a lucky country Australia is at the same time. I know no different, but you just see how many people make a go of the Australian opportunities. So I thought, you know what, if, if we don't have a go, um, I can now start to see why the term midlife crisis comes about, um, where people almost have a go when there's children and mortgages and cars and all those type of things and you have to make it work from the very, very start. So we kind of looked at each other and said, you know what, we've got nothing to lose at this point. Um, and yeah, that's how I guess this business started. But I guess the deeper inspiration as to, I guess, having a crack
2: really formed. So you chucked podiatry in. I mean, I guess anyone would if they saw my feet. My God, like uh, podiatry is footwear. Correct, right? yeah. yeah. I mean, that's a bit uh, out there. Why did you choose?
0: I worked for Rebel Sport at the time and I was really interested in footwear. And, and, oh, yeah. and again, it was a really stable job. You were coming out on some pretty good coin and a decent lifestyle and, Um, I just, I I think the turning point was when you, you had to go to pracs outside of uni, I would, on that Sunday before a prac would start, I'd be thinking, you know, what can I run into or what kind of food poisoning could I start to think about getting and (laughs) the amount of concussions that I didn't have to try and get out of these pracs, um, made me think, you know what, if I can't do a week sitting here, um, how am I meant to do a lifetime? A lifetime, Yeah. Totally.
2: What about you, James? It's, uh, what did you Did you study at university too?
3: Yeah, I did a uh, very similar storyline. Mum and dad never did university. Um, they just kind of worked their way up through the banks or, you know, work, dad worked for himself. Um, so mum and dad were always pushing us to, to do really well. And the mantra was, you know, you do well. in when we ever asked for something growing up, you do well in school, you go to uni, you get yourself a good job, and then you can buy it yourself was, was the mantra that mum and dad had. Um, and I ended up landing in criminology. Um, with a view to join the AFP or, or, or the New South Wales Police. And same thing as Aaron. We got to a certain point. It's like, I don't think I can commit to this lifestyle and, and, and this anymore and, and wanted to do something that suited the people that we wanted to be as well. And I think that's where we came together. You know, there was always something bigger and better out there and we're seeing a lot of our friends out west as well have a crack and, and, and do something for themselves. And, and we really wanted to be a part of that.
2: Yeah, plumbers making a fucking fortune and you're sitting there at university thinking, man, my God, why don't I go and do plumbing or building or carpentry or bricklaying or electrician or something or your mate's killing it. Yeah, exactly right. You know, especially at West. Uh, I, I, but I'm always intrigued uh like how two guys either at the end of their degree or some way through their degree – Sort of sit down and say, "What the fuck? Like, what, what's the moment? What's what? I mean, you're having a beer, or like, or were you sort of whining each other over a period of months? H- how did you do that? I mean, what happened? It's.
3: I think it was just one of those things that was niggling away, and I, it sounds really ungrateful, but you go to university and you get a lot of free time. You think you're busy, but you've got you know so more <laughs> totally. free time than you can shag a stick at. Um, and we just started with the idea. We talked about, you know, starting a, opening a cafe or, you know, a, a live music venue or something like that. And it just, the, the conversation. Whatever, a beer? Like,
2: because I mean, you went to different universities. Yeah. yeah. So, like, you might, would you admit, it like, was a just of various
3: weekends. periods of free
0: time that we were probably testing. Playing, oh, FIFA or whatever. We, probably a yeah. lot of beers. Yeah. yeah, yeah, of the beers, yeah, yeah
2: all yeah. the above. Yeah. Fuck this. I want to get out of it. <laughs> yeah. what, yeah, what can exactly we do? Right. It's killing me. Yeah. It, yeah?
3: Was, it, it was that. It was that. It's, you know, this isn't for us. And and like Aaron said, I don't think we saw ourselves working in someone else's else's business, and and definitely not from my perspective going into a government position, and I just couldn't see myself doing that. And that fueled these conversations that we had, and we had them regularly until we got to a point that, you know,
2: let's let's do something about it. I worked in professional environments, and in the end, I mean, I I, I couldn't work for anyone either, but I didn't have anyone to talk to about it. Uh, I didn't have a mate. I mean, I just sort of did because I sort of rebelled against the whole idea, to be frank with you, but um, Look, would you have uh, done it on your own?
3: Yeah, I think, I think there would have been a point that um, I would have taken that leap, um, but I think it wouldn't have happened as quickly as, as it did. And I think Aaron's right. You know, a lot of people wait till their late 30s, 40s to go and do something for themselves, um, and it just sped the whole process. up. Like, you know what mates are when you, we get around each other and you know, boys, boys doing what boys do and you feed each other and you, you egg each other on a little bit. And that sped up the flywheel and it, and it started turning more creative ideas and, and then realising more and more that that's exactly what we wanted to do.
2: Is it courage that comes first or is it the, or is it the sense of adventure or is it the resentment that you have for what you're doing comes first? What well, comes I think first? it's
0: a combination between a number of those things. For, for me particularly, um, I was literally on the cusp of finishing a, 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 a health degree in, in essence. Um, in which I had to say, I don't want to do this in the slightest and almost regress to be back at, I guess, starting again. Um, but I, I took a lot of solace in the way that Australia is such a amazing country in the way that the disparity between um, just industries, you can make money, I guess, doing anything. You want to pick up a shovel for a week. Um, you're still going to make a decent wage. So I took a lot of, uh, I guess, uh, yeah, real peace in, in the way that if it, all goes pear-shaped. Um, I, I was leaving with, you know, half a degree. I could go back to uni for two years, become a school teacher if I really wanted. Um, it wasn't, and we were, you know, really young at the time as well. So all those things uh, compounded to just make that decision that, yeah, uni wasn't going to be the, the final point.
2: And why did you decide to get into
3: this business? So um, those who know me and Aaron know that we are by far the least artistic people in our head office, uh, I sort of and, struck me by yeah. the way. I don't, tell you. Yeah, I, don't, I don't know what gave it away. <laughs> no, but uh, I was hoping you're
2: going to really surprise the shit out of me and say, "Fuck me!" Like we're you know we're you know fantastic artists or something. Fine artists. You no, know, we we you know what? We haven't even tried. I'm sure if we
3: get, we put our mind to it, we could get there.
2: Um, you didn't attend like these joints where you go and paint people in the nude. Like you weren't painting Aaron in the nude or something. Like some, some any weird not that shit? everyone
3: else knows about. <laughs>
2: <laughs> or not yet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah but so, so you just, hey, okay, well, what inspired you to have? Um, up front, drinking and art that combination is
3: is really really fun i think as australians um, if we can do anything while drinking it becomes automatically more attractive yeah you, yeah, think, yeah. you think barefoot bowls yeah you know footy footy anything yeah, like that Yeah, fifa, yeah, yeah, games. FIFA exactly right um it, it does make it more enticing for someone so we saw this as an opportunity to deliver something to our hometown that you have to come in the city to do and
2: Ah, uh, yeah, okay, so right, it already this sort of thing already existed in town, in, a, in like in the greater Sydney area.
3: Yeah, it was um, something a little bit more stiff and a little bit more regimented, and um, something that wasn't as um, entertainment based as what we thought we could offer. But
2: you had experienced something.
0: Yeah, the story goes is my fiance and her best friend um, went to a, a similar concept in the city, and they came home, and um, James was actually um, just. I was at the pub. James was in Vietnam, um, finding himself after a bit of a breakup. Um, and they picked, <laughs> yeah, right. Found I found, found something. Still looking. <laughs> 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 Um, and so they picked me up from the pub and they had, you know, they were talking about um, how proud they were about, you know, constructing something, which was an artwork. Um, there was two artworks in, in the back and I said, well, you know what, this is pretty cool. I, I really liked their energy post that they weren't, you know, blind drunk or anything like that. They'd had a couple of drinks, but they had a really, you know, nice experience, but they found that, you know, there was gaps in X, Y, Z. So that night we, I actually text James um, in Vietnam and I said, look, I think mate, this might be the one. Um, and that actual conversation chain that we had on um, Facebook messenger actually runs um, up the walls now of our head office. So it, 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 it kind of just illustrates how, I guess, out of the blue it came. Um, and six weeks after that, we opened our first studio in Penrith. So it really did happen relatively quickly.
2: What were you thinking when he said that to you?
3: I had to do my own market research at my hostel and I think I asked about three or four different girls that were staying in, in the same building what they thought of the idea and they gave it the thumbs up. So oh, really? that was good proof of concept on our end. But I, I think I really, really loved the idea that it was something different and something left of field and, and, and something that hadn't been done in our area before and that really built a platform for the franchising business and and for us to deliver something super, super important to a community that we could really care about.
2: Yeah, because I, I want to get back to that because that, that's important. Um you wanted to bring to your community, that's Penrith community. Um maybe you wanted to just that, that that currently exists in the city that the two girls had to travel to the city to do, which is a fucking asshole and they've got to get back.
0: I think that's a really important point. Um proof of concept again even further was that they were both from Penrith, yeah, and they went to the city. And yeah. anyone from the west, um, doesn't from Parramatta, further or anywhere really. It's it's a hassle to get in the city. It's normally,
2: where well, where do they normally go? Just in the in the local area. Yeah, yeah. So, um, we yeah, because we, you can't get home and shit like that, is it's it? It's hard. Parking
0: yeah. is even a hard thing. Yeah, You're yeah. in a Wilson More car you can't park. Drink yeah, and so it was yeah. expensive. And That's right. That's right. So all those things we thought. You know what? If they're prepared to do that in Sydney, um, they'd be very well equipped to do it in their own. Home.
2: What's like an Uber cost to get from say Penrith to the city?
0: Depends on the time of night. Sometimes it can be. It's generally about 150 bucks. Can go up to about 200 bucks. One way. Yeah, most people just if they're going to do something like that, they'll just get a hotel out here. It's it's pretty much comparable, and you get a, a bed, a relatively nice bed to sleep on. So it is a hassle.
2: Yeah, yeah, totally. And, and and that's probably not something that most people really consider. So – and then you, on top of that, you've got the cost of doing the deal and uh, – Dinner and, and drinks after. Yeah, mate. And it's a like a nightmare, <laughs> you know. And it's an hour or so traveling yep. there, an hour or so traveling yep. back. Yeah, yeah. That totally makes sense to me. And and can I ask you, do, do people in your local community – and we'll, I just want you to define that in a moment – Um. Do they actually resent having to go into the city? It's
3: it's it's probably one of two. It depends on the
2: occasion. Yep. Um they say that
3: yeah, we get to do a whole experience. And I think that's when having somewhere to stay in the city it makes it a, 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 like an end to end experience. Yeah, yeah. When yeah. you're going in there to do something you don't want to do, whether it's uh I don't know, get a car service so or whatever you need to do in the city and then going in, then coming out, is it's a bit of a
0: necessary
2: evil. It is, it is. Right. But they try to turn it into an experience by they say, Well, it's a shit thing we've got to have to do to go out and do this this event. Um, but I'm, I'm going to try and turn an experience by actually booking a hotel room, staying in the city so I can wake up and have a nice breakfast, and I can have, um, you know, eggs Benedict or whatever. Did you think to yourselves that my community, that's you thinking, Penrith or people in the outer West, if that's how it's properly defined, um, because there's a, that's the thing. I'm mates with a guy called Tied to a Vasa, like who's a UFC fighter.
3: Yeah, we know Ty. Yeah, right. Yeah. So
2: And uh, Mark Hunt, you know, ex-UFC fighter. It's a thing, Penrith, for Penrith and all the area. It, it, there's a thing that exists for those people. Absolutely. I mean, like uh, people over this side don't understand it. They don't get it. There's a thing at Cabramatto too, for that matter, and Campbelltown. I mean, in Fairfield, there's, you know, if you're maybe of uh, Asian Descent. You live in that area. Um, there's great food. As you know, yep. they they tend to hang in their area because they know all the good cool places to go to. Um, people in the inner west or the city got no fucking idea. like wouldn't have a clue about it. You know, just don't, it's like a different world. Yep. Yeah. And uh, so you must have been pretty much in touch with this thing that exists.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I I, I touched on the Ivan Cleary straight talk that you you yeah, had yeah. with him, and you were talk uh, talking about a little. I suppose it, you don't want to call it inferiority complex, but you it's kind of in in pursuit of something better for your area. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's a
3: chip I'm, on the shoulder. Yeah, really. yeah, yeah. It's yeah, like yeah. A, whether, whether we put it there or someone else put it there, there is a, a chip on the west shoulder
2: Yeah, in yeah. some way, shape or form. But what I'm sort of seeing too though is it's also they they accept where they live is pretty fucking good. Yep. Like, uh, you know, I don't need to go in the city. I mean, sure, we've got West Suburbs people and I grew up that way too. Like we got something to prove. Yep. Um but outside of that, um, you actually can be pretty proud of where you live and think it was fucking good here. Like uh, Penrith is a good joint. Uh, it's a fucking, like, there's expensive houses out there. Yeah. There's a great football. You got the grand final winners out there. You got you pretty much got whatever you want out there. Yeah. Um. You don't need to come to the city. No.
3: And I think if I mean you go out to Penrith now, there is a. This is what Aaron was alluding to. That there is a, a a vibe of the area now, and it's buzzing, and and people can feel the progress that the area is making, and. We, we referenced to the guys before, like the amount of good things that come out of Penrith this year, um, oh, yeah. grand final winners, um, Jess Fox won gold, Paddy Cummins, test captain. Like there's all these really cool like national scale
0: if things. we get a new
2: stadium. Yeah, we're new getting stadium. a new
3: stadium.
2: I mean that, that in itself, by the way, is a reflection that the government's actually agreeing with you. Yes, for They're sure. They're saying we need to spend some money out there. Because that's a thriving community that's going to vote for us or not for us. So let's just let's kick some money in.
3: Absolutely. We're a member of a, a, a business group and and we've got mates who are all striving to improve Penrith, whether it's through um, restaurants or cafes or, you know, we, we opened a Mexican restaurant last year to add to the area and we, we run a food and wine festival every single year. Because, you too. Yeah. And this sits as um, a part of that greater Penrith piece that we're doing things to contribute to the area that, we're normally having to travel an hour each way to get. And the people of Penrith um, are so appreciative of things like that and and really do support people who just do have a crack like we have been.
2: Yeah, that's pretty cool. Uh, I, mean, you got, I mean, I was just thinking about – you've got some great people coming out of the area. Like, I mean, not just because they're famous like MG and uh, Brainy Alexander. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm obviously rugby league people and even Phil Gould at one stage there was a Penrith. Was a Penrith coach. Um, one and a half, two million people live out that direction. I mean, if Sydney's got Greater Sydney's got more in excess of five million people, the the far west must have like at least twenty five percent of that population. Yeah. So, just in terms of population and where population growth is going to be greatest, um, and you'd have to say that that's a, a prime area. I mean, did you do the math around all this? Did you think this through mathematically? Probably not as analytical as that um, at that
0: point. I mean, we were a little bit younger and we were just seeing, you know, uh, these housing estates just popping up and um, people flocking to the areas and um, apartments going up. So without kind of diving really deep into the numbers, um, I guess with our eyes, we were kind of making some assumptions going, well, instinctively. This is, yeah, yeah, this is yeah. booming. This yeah, is, yeah.
2: this is really on the arc. You got the vibe there. Absolutely. Yeah. How, how many years ago are we talking about by the way? Three and a half. Three and a half. Yeah, it's right not right. that long ago. No, so, no. so it's just sort of pre-COVID. Yeah. 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 Like a year or two. Yeah. Pre-COVID. So you, you were getting the vibe about, about the thing. um, And then you got excited about the concept or the experience. Yes. Yeah. And then you said, "I'm going to take this back independent." That's your first one. Yep. Your first branch franchise, or or is it a, a corporate-owned one? No, yeah. there was no hint of
0: franchising, multiplying, anything like that. It was You're just going to have one. Just again, it kind of goes back to what we're talking about. We looked at each other and said, "You know what this this might cost us thirty thousand dollars start to finish for the year. Um, let's do it." And we've we've always said we had no idea, and we then we thought, you know what what's the what's the harm in trying but if it doesn't you know make it past its first year um you know it's been worthwhile still
3: irrespective we put in 4000 dollars each and we yeah. borrowed maybe 5 grand from our from yeah. my parents to get going um and that was you know in terms of a you know a,
2: a mitigated risk like nearly 15 grand throw it in and have a roll of dice and see how it goes so the first one took how long to get up off the ground and and what was the concept like
0: yeah so it was 6 weeks from that, like I said, that first uh, first text exchange to our first doors opening, um, funnily enough, uh, my fiance and her friend, her friend um, ran the very first one um, and she's actually our head of franchising now. So it's kind of gone very, very full circle and she's amazing at her job, but she ran the first one. She's staff member number one. And I think the big difference, Mark, is that we built t- this for us to never work in it. Um, so the experience of the customer was paramount and what we were looking for in a person to actually execute our service um, was paramount as well uh, we always say they're not artists they're hosts um they're there to facilitate a good time um, with that being said we believe I guess the product that we aim to deliver is a lot of fun and, and as long as we let adults kind of be and give them some direction they're going to have a good time um, quite easily as well at the same time so yeah that's that was the 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 foundations of the first one and we were so lucky in our local area that we had so many good people kind of get around us to start with and that really catapulted us really nicely into um, a level of comfort a level of being able to pay back uh, the loan to James's parents relatively fast and six months after we were kind of looking at each other saying I reckon we could do this again Um, and that kind of turned 2019 and from there we went to to Byron Bay and then yeah, we we just opened number sixty eight last weekend. So,
2: tell me what the experience is though.
3: Articulating what the experience is has always been the hardest thing for us, and we've had verbalizing verbalizing yeah. is um we'll we have a crack that yeah. So we we've literally had been asked this question at least two hundred and fifty times, and we still struggle to. But we've I mean, we what you're refining? Eh? We are refining. <laughs> we're getting there. Yeah, but yeah. Um, in essence, it's a, a three hour art instructional instructional with a boozy twist. So simpling it down, um, you grab your friends you grab your favorite bottle of wine or tequila or you bring it yourself yeah whatever you like um and you come in and you get guided through the artwork of of the night or the session by one of our hosts so really really simple um you know we've got great playlists which are curated to support those evenings we've got you know the staffing is a really big part of it because you know the artistic ability sits you know secondary to the hosting and and the customer service that we look for in these guys um and then people leave with a you know, 16 by 18 inch canvas um, that they've painted and you know, people hang it on the walls or they chuck it in the bin or whatever they do. But, you know, they've created something in that three hours that they can go back and reflect on and, and share with their friends and family as well.
2: That's cool. Uh, well, we're going to get a break. I want to come back. I actually want you to take me through what I would experience if I walked into one of these one evening for three hours with uh, one of the production team and I might bring Simon with me and uh, what we're going to experience. How it all work? So but we'll go to the break and yeah. we'll come straight back. Perfect.
1: Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore.
2: So I'm back here with James and Aaron and we're talking about Pinot and Picasso. I'm, I just parked the name in a moment. But uh, I just want you guys to take me through what happens. Like if I, I went there, I was saying earlier with Simon, he, one of our production crew, and um, he and I rocked up. D- do we join another group of 20 people or we just have a little one for ourselves? Or how does it all work? Yeah. So our
0: studios are built anywhere between 20 to 30 seat um, classes yeah and so if you guys walked through the doors you'd be greeted by a very pleasant host who would have an iPad that has your names on there and they'd say come on through to your seats um, you'd be seated um, if you have alcohol that you brought with you you'd be given glassware um, if you brought any nibbles you'd be either shown a fridge to, to store them in or you know a place in which you can eat them or a, or a stowaway table um, that when the session starts you kind of get welcomed in the night a little bit of housekeeping then they kind of point you through the artwork that you've either selected or you might have not known what you were going to do. And they kind of just give a very brief outline as to how it's going to work. out. Works work in three predominant steps um, because we don't want to be talking at you guys. yeah might. Um, so after that, you go and collect your paints and aprons, and then you get started, and you you systematically work through the artwork for the night. Um, as but the how day- do
2: I know what to paint? Sorry, Aaron, how do I know? I mean, like, do you say, do I choose, i Paint a landscape
1: or a yeah, so it's all on our
0: website. So if if Simon booked you you prior, he would um, have known, or someone would have known that um, that was on on offer for the night. And um, we always say you can kind of do whatever you want as well. At the same yeah. time, and we got a lot of displays. If you want to do that, if you're a good artist and you know you want what to, is a um,
2: fucking crap. Like I don't know what I'm doing.
0: It's completely completely a judgment free zone, and you. You've got three hours to kind of do what what you want. Um, we always think it's really cool that adults are able to be brought into the present, um, because they're it's probably the first time they're touching either a paint paintbrush or um, working with color without painting their houses, um, where they actually can just you know stop and think. And sometimes um, we think you know it's so quiet in here, um, and people say thank you for that. That was one of the, most incredible nights of my so life. So
2: not, not all laughing and giggling and shit like that? No, nah, I, think, I think people, especially
3: when you're a group, the inner uh, the, you know, competitive demon comes out and you're looking at what your mate's cooking up over there and you're like, I'm, I'm going to beat this person. Oh, really? You. I'm going to do it. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. People are so competitive. But I think the nice thing is that people do get lost in that experience and you know, the days with mobile phones and um, you know, everything is at your fingertips. You very rarely have a period of time where you're with your friends where you put everything away completely. And you engage in doing something constructive and creative together. Creative, especially,
2: yes. yeah. So it's sort of meditative in some respects. Yeah, it? I, th-
3: I think the further we go down this this rabbit hole, of Pen on Picasso, we we're looking into partnering with the NDIS and, and making this you know a subsidised um, part of that scheme because we do see the health benefits and in, in I guess further the, the fine motor stuff and and the creative expression and and that meditative stuff as well is really really good for people and I think people actually feel refreshed well PTSD um,
2: sufferers and uh yeah absolutely I, yeah I can sort of see that can being very calming yeah I mean, without even without the wine like you know add the wine that's for it's another layer of yeah, calming. another <laughs> layer or, or, or excitement but <laughs> yeah and, and so um, I walk in I only have to bring what I want to drink and maybe what me and Simon and whoever else come that wants to eat um we don't have to bring anything else just a uh, normal whatever we wear, yep. it doesn't industry. matter. Yep. Um, We can join in another group. There could be another how, – how big are the classes? Like, What's the limit?
3: Probably up to 30 is pretty 30, comfortable yeah. for, for one host Um, and you kind of just are in these big tables like like when you're in primary school with the, with an easel set up and you you kind of just rip in and it's a good opportunity to chat to your neighbour and – Get to know someone. Get yeah. to know someone new. And yeah, yeah, We yeah. find little communities sometimes
0: build where they're all kind of walking around the, the sessions and talking to each other and saying, how wonderful and and everything like that, which, again, adds to the experience that people are there are quite
2: uh, happy and collaborative, really. They do start to use it as a pickup. uh, It's a great date night. Yeah, It's it's a wonderful day. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. it's it's sort of like speed dating type of thing, but you you actually don't have to... Not putting on any under any pressure, you can no. sort of be sort of looking at the, <laughs> the chick over there, like uh, sort of looking from the side, see if you're getting a response. If you're not, just keep painting away as if it's just nothing going on. Yeah, have a few tequilas and uh, get up a it. bit of Dutch. Yeah, absolutely.
3: Yeah. <laughs> we had uh, we had a good mate of ours, Will, who brought a, a date before his current girlfriend in, and he had a his arm in a sling, and she was there nursing him as he was painting away, and. He it was, it was living the absolute dream. He loved everything. Did you take the arm out of the sling later so on? Yeah. Ch- can... Chucked him the bit on the way out. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That worked.
1: Yeah.
2: <laughs> so yeah, that's pretty clever. And uh, so I, I sort of get the whole idea. I mean, and I guess it, you, I mean, you were talking before, James, about um, how difficult it is to articulate the experience because maybe it's a different experience for, for lots of different people. There's probably no one experience. Yeah. It might be. I don't know, 20, 30 different experiences that you can sort of, you, you could get other people to articulate for you. Maybe that's probably the for reason. For sure. And but- I think a lot of people get different things out of it as well. So finding
3: a message that resonates with with everyone's always always a bit of a task. But um, we, we kind of diversify with what we do to, to suit those people and you know, kids' parties and, um, you know, like specialist events like you know, paint you in a drag queen or, or paint your pooch and, you know, crazy people go over their dogs in this day and age. The opportunity to paint their dog is, is you know the greatest thing since sliced bread, um, so that's that's really really cool as well.
2: And what do you two guys do in relation to it? Like, because you're obviously not hosting it, um, no. you, you you choose the host. No, so this is a little bit of a different model in the way that we
0: have always uh, made it that the franchisee doesn't necessarily work when I guess the lights are on and the show at show time. Yep. Um, we always say our work's done at the front of the week um, and the actual production itself, which is. Arguably the easiest part of the week is done from Thursday or Friday
2: afternoon so, onwards. So, so it's not available every night of the week. It's Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, yeah. something like that. Yeah. There's probably a day session, matinee session, and evening session. Yeah, um, yeah. Okay. So, and when you say our work, you mean the work of who's? Head how? office. Yeah, head so, office. Um, head office, we employ
0: around 20 people in head office. Head office is in Penrith as well. And um, we've got three key directives um, to empower our franchisees to be Better business owners. Um, it is also uh, to continue to involve the Pino and Picasso experience, um, evolve, evolve. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Develop it. Yep. Yeah, continue yep. to develop um, and really maintain the brand as a whole and and grow the brand.
2: So um, I, I sign up as a franchisee. Um, what's how's it all work?
3: Pretty easy, really. You, you jump online, you, you check out all our, all our franchise information, you submit an inquiry, and you get chucked into our sales funnel. Um, the sales team will ring you and. And first round vet you. Um, and if you're an appropriate franchisee, um, we get you to fill out another application and you get the opportunity to sit down with me or Aaron, depending on what our schedules are like, um, and really explore the brand a little bit further and, and, and hear our origin story and, and meet us and get comfortable with, with who we are as well um, before progressing.
2: So you got 68 franchisees. Do you, do you own any at the moment or just do you have a showcase one?
3: Yeah, the, the, the company as a
0: whole owns about 20% of all of those. Right. Um, and we, we believe, especially in, in new markets, we went to new states before we started franchising yep. them. Um, proof of concept and, and I guess being able to do it yourselves for franchisees was really important for us. So we um, set up landmark ones in every state um, which we could send people to and also show that people were going to them as well. So, so they could
2: physically go and experience yes. it too, I guess. too. So uh, and, and the, the franchise, is it, do you charge a franchise fee or is it a royalty-based deal? It's a- the... Two prong. We do both. Yeah. Um. It's fifty thousand plus GST
3: franchise fee. Yep. And then they pay twelve percent uh, recurring royalty every right. every single week off their revenue.
2: Right. And and what do they get f- from you? So you give them obviously all the the literature and you give them the the you know, operating manual and all that sort of stuff. Do you do you market for them and etc. Is that part of the deal or do they have to market in their own local area? Yeah. It's it's it's
3: funny when we were starting this there was a there was a big um, hoo ha around marketing funds and and. Uh, you know, big franchise companies being audited and there's been gaps in that, in that kind of paper trail. So we thought being a, a business that was born from a community that um, each of our franchisees would, would build a community around their own business. Um, so for the majority of it, they look after their own local area marketing. Um, we've got a marketing team, like a digital marketing team who can implement all their advertising across socials or, or Google and all these kind of avenues. Um, to yeah, you yeah, experience. Yeah, finding audiences. Absolutely, yeah. finding new people and, and leveraging these other huge established businesses' yeah. followings and their customers to grow their own brand within their territory. Do some of your franchisees have DJs? Yeah, absolutely. For those bigger ticketed events, like that next layer of entertainment is so important to, to engage in customers and adding more value um, beyond the studio. Um, so, yeah, that's something that, that, that these guys do when they kind of work out in their own territories. Um, but for our bigger... Brand partnerships—that's definitely a part of it. It's just how do we add experience at every every single step.
2: Yeah, it's it's interesting. I was I was talking to someone the other day about um, you know, what could we do to sort of corporate events? You know, I, I thought of you know the what's that sort of room thing they got there, you know what do they call that thing where, you know you go and you have to escape room whatever. it is. And like that seems to be the, one of the go-to things. You know, or in the city anyway, you know Macquarie Bank and everyone's using those sort of things. We have at Yellow Brick Road. But um, I think um, Pinot and Picasso would be a good one, um, f- just to, to offer that to people. Would you want, you know, to my staff in the city? Do you want to try that out? Um, I, I, but I haven't seen any marketing come to me on it. Why? I mean, maybe I'm not your audience, but I haven't seen any come through on any of the platforms to me. Yeah, how, how do you guys get to say someone like me, or am I just too old, or whatever? <laughs> am I not 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 the not properly profiled? You're probably not the not the right profile. We we
3: build our our audience out of you know 25 to 55. So year you old get women. to my staff.
0: We, yes, we get to your yeah, staff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So Absolutely. like you got to the guys here, the Absolutely production crew, right. and, and it kind of has
2: worked. when yeah, they totally. show us the yeah. Totally. Two, I mean, we're just 100 percent hit rate. Two out of two. Um, both have been to one. Um, That's not bad. Um, <laughs> and so can you tell me now about your profiling? So, you know, like I always find it like extremely interesting how, how you profile who you want to market to. It's funny. I think this, this generation
3: is happy to be delivered things. That, 20 to 30? Uh, 20, yeah, even up know, to 40. Up to 40? Yeah. You, especially on social media, you're hit with things that are relevant to you. You know, we're not marketing, you know, men's, like women's perfume to, to Simon over here. Um, you know, we're, oh, he we're, doesn't mind a bit of woman. Well, I mean, what he does in his spare time is, is Simon's prerogative. It um, did smell nice. <laughs> um, but what we're doing is we're we're hitting um the broader demographic of 25 to 55 year old women. That's who we've decided loves Pino and Picasso through all our advertising and all the money that we spent. Um, and then we can profile what a person in that will look like. So we create avatars yep. on, on segments of that market and then hyper target more specific creative concepts to that. Yeah, individual. like through,
2: through sponsored ads and yeah, I mean, through Facebook the, yeah, and Google. Google ads, yeah. You do spend a lot of time doing analytics around. this. Is this, is, is this the stuff that you two guys, I mean apart from interviewing franchises, is this the stuff that you two guys sort of sit over the top of? Yeah, yeah. I think for, for
3: me and Aaron um, split our roles pretty clearly through the business, Aaron's right. operations and finance and kind of the nitty-gritty stuff and I'm more the growth and the marketing and, and now data is becoming a big part of what we're doing. Um. I mean, looking at who's pioneering that space in Australia, especially like people like the iconic, mm. are doing really, really great things with with personalizing customer journeys and and using data to give more custom ads or, or, or relevant stuff. or relevant stuff to the, yeah, yeah, to the yeah. customers, and that's what we're moving into this year. So we're pulling all the data from our sales, and you know, managing where people are coming from and what artworks are doing well in what sort of a, a community. So we've got, we've got city. Suburban and, and regional, and then starting to segment the market even further to serve them more relevant things. It's like it's a really big part of our business moving forward and making data driven decisions as opposed to those you know those instincts warm instincts warm like yeah, things. Off, yeah yeah, yeah it's, absolutely.
2: I, I, it's, it's sort of fa- quite fascinating. Um, I mean every business has got to have someone who cuts and someone who sews. Um, and. Uh, Looks like you're doing the cutting and Aaron's doing the sewing, yeah. Because um, he's got to make it happen,
3: absolutely, yeah.
2: <laughs> and well, he, his team has to make it happen, um, and that's what operations all about, yeah. Um, but you, someone's got to go out there and cut the suit too, um, or cut the cloth, and that's what you're doing. And yeah. what you're saying now, it's um, it's 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 your business is becoming as much an experiential thing relative to the customer as it is becoming a, a data business, knowing about what experiences a customer is expecting in a particular segment or across the board.
3: Correct. It's it's reading these patterns and trying to get ahead of them yeah. to, to deliver those innovations to
2: people and keep them coming back to our studios. So, so you employ data scientists or anything like that at this stage?
3: Yeah, we we're, we're, we employ um, a team in India and a team in Russia who do a lot of our, our analytic stuff. So we use a, a, a program called... Power BI, which pretty much pulls together all our data sources and and translates it into something that franchisees can use to optimize their business. Right. So you think, you know, sixty eight franchises, you know, um, you know, data from our website, um, from WooCommerce, which is um, uh, the e commerce platform that plugs into our website, Facebook. All these things get pulled in, and then we're now working on ways to manipulate that data to help franchisees make better decisions and make us better decisions as well.
2: Because I I've, I'm finding it's much more stuff I'm getting is much more relevant and interesting to me than I ever got in the past. Yeah, mainly because the algorithms are getting better and becoming sharper about about what I want. Sure,
3: it's I think the landscape has changed, and I think we must um, also preface that we sit in a weird space, right? We're we're an e-commerce platform that delivers the product in a bricks and mortar studio, so mm. we we play this middle between you know e-commerce and hunting down customers, and then getting the ability to Show it
0: off. And there's an added layer of we want them to actively be part of their community as well. Yeah. so it's a, To share it. Yeah, yeah. absolutely.
3: Yeah. I think that people are, especially even, even our age group, maybe we're, maybe we're just getting on now, but becoming a little less um, naive to advertising and people understanding, you know, what companies are doing to try and spur on those sales. And I think, you know, you look at the classic music festival or, or, or gig or concert where they're like, you know, there's, there's 100 tickets left, there's 100 tickets left, yeah, you've got yeah, to go, and people yeah. go, Oh shit! I'm gonna miss out. I think people are like, nah, no, fuck we, that. You no, know, fuck that. We yeah, yeah, you, that's you know your capacity. You, yeah, exactly yeah. <laughs> right.
2: That's old school. Yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> absolutely. Dude, went out with button-up boots.
3: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and um, and I think that's making it a little bit more difficult for us because we are that entertainment space, and people are maybe you know in a post-COVID world a little bit more laissez-faire about booking things in. Yeah, because yeah. nothing nothing has been promised for the last four months. You know lockdowns be lifted and you're like, oh, they didn't, you know, we'll just kind of roll with it. People are kind of rolling with the punches. So it's a really interesting space for us to roll in at the moment.
2: Yeah, it's pretty cool. Uh, yeah. Where are you going to go to from here?
3: Yeah, exciting times for Pino. We're, we're really looking to consolidate ourselves in Australia and New Zealand. Um, so we've, we have managed this year to open four studios in New Zealand without actually seeing these things or opening them up. So we've managed to, to navigate that. And I think is, um, it is getting our franchisees to be the best business owners they can in the current cohort and then looking internationally to see where else the Pinot Picasso could work.
2: Well, I love the name Pinot Picasso. Uh, as you said earlier before we were on air, um, Aaron, it, you really went for the alliteration, to the double P's, you know, but also Pinot Picasso's, it sounds like that's Picasso's first name for some reason. Like, you know, all <laughs> of a sudden I'm like, shit, is that his first name? <laughs> uh, but it's, it works really well. It's a very, very clever name, Pinot, but also tells you the story straight up. Absolutely,
0: and and it, that, that um, conversation piece that we had, it, it was found there and then as well, where it, we 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 kind of bounced three or four little things off it, and then it was um, Pica- it was a Pino, I mean Picasso and Pino, and we're like, oh hold on, let's just flip that around, and yeah, in the space of two minutes, the name was there, and probably one of those things that we look back and go, if we were to ever try and you know have that little run of figuring something out that quickly. In a in ten minutes or so, you'd never in a million years. It was, and even the business as a whole, like it's, it's kind of one of those things where it found you when you weren't
2: necessarily looking for it. At the same time, maybe you're doing yourself a disservice. I mean, maybe you've been a bit modest. I mean, it sounds like you were digging around for a while trying yeah, to find I mean, something.
0: If you want to manifest it, or it was out in the universe that we were trying
2: to. Um, figure something out. Well, either that, you're the ultimate opportunist because I mean, you saw. Look, for me, sometimes people are really sharp, and they're always on the lookout. And as soon as you got presented the idea by your fiance and her friend, you're all over it, and you're texting James in Vietnam, and he was out there testing it out. The next thing, six weeks, you're up and running. Yeah. Uh, there's an instinct there that's very sharp, but there's a, I mean, and that you you showed the ability to. Execute on something you thought was a good idea. In other words, you had a fucking crack. Yes. And if you if you had a thought too much about it, you may never have come up with a name. You you know, sometimes people sit there for days and weeks and fuck around with the name. I and mean, the name is the name. It worked perfectly. It's just a great concept. I reckon it's I reckon it's fantastic. I really think it's great.
0: It's I always um I always remember one of your podcasts that you interviewed, Michael Klim. Yeah. Um and it was his um product uh, skincare product and it was called milk because kin yep. was backwards and I, I always remember um just you blatantly saying to him I think mate it's just too confusing like mm. you you go to milk every you, you get milk every single day. Yeah. Um and from there um and that was well before Pinot, um I was you know you always think of something that isn't too you know, it's smart without being too smart.
2: Yeah, at yeah. the same time, don't think it. Like, I mean, the wizard business, wizard homelands, like it's the same thing. Like, I didn't overthink it too much, yeah. but I just like the name wizard. Yeah, it's just a fucking name, and I thought, well, <laughs> no, works, no one, no one called, no lender would ever call us wizard in those days. Um, Pina Picasso is re- memorable. Yeah. Like, it's funny, you know, Clemmy's a good bloke and all that sort of stuff, but. If you asked me today what was the name of his product, I wouldn't remember, even though it was his name spelt backwards, but I'll remember Pino and Picasso. They're just – I because I've got an image straight in my head. Yeah. Run out of time. What are you guys going to ask me anything? Being from a
3: franchising background Mm -hmm. and you've seen it all, you've, you've lived it all, what's advice that you would give to us in regards to expanding into international markets?
2: Mm. Uh, well my expansion of my wisdom is i went into india and to russia and to uh, mexico um just be careful that you understand the uh culture really well that you understand the payments how people get paid in a in in a, for labor and then you're obviously going to understand your um your ultimate audience being your consumer as well so it's bit of research, I guess, is probably the most important thing. And I I think from our point of view too, what was really good from our point of view, it worked really well, was that we had a big partner there. So I think just going there on your own might be difficult. We had a partner in India. It was GE India, which whilst it was General Electric globally, it was all run by Indians. Yeah. And they knew everyone. They knew all the laws. They knew, you know, what the government expected. They knew which license you had to get. Um, they get things done quickly. I mean, like in India, it's the ultimate bureaucracy. I mean, Gandhi did one thing that really was really good. He, he built the ultimate bureaucracy, which basically means that everyone's got a job. Like even if you're just opening the door, you're going to get a job, at least enough to buy some food for your family. It might not be much money, but it's enough to – and, you know, that's sort of like communism in a sense – it still exists in India, um, you know, through the Gandhi sort of process. And I had no fucking idea what that was all about. But my local people, the guy, my local partner who was indented into India for 100 years, gee, he'd been there for 100 years, um, made a big difference to me. If they fast tracked me. I wouldn't have been able to do it on my own, no matter what, as long as my ass pointed the ground. I was never going to get it done. Within 18 months, we had 58 branches across India. Unbelievable. Um, that's unbelievable. they so quick, but yeah. that's because I had a, a local partner who knew all the stuff that's going on, um, I made sure I didn't trip over anything. And then when I wanted to do my research, I just talked to them and, and they took me through the process. Taking a brand and a system to a country, which was totally different to Australia, was the most exciting thing I've ever done. And being in a country where there was a, you know 1.6 billion people, um, or if you go to America, it's around eighty million people. Like the speed, at which freneticism, the speed at which you have to operate is mental. Um, here we got so much time. You said earlier, and like we're lucky, everything's good. opportunities here. You get in those places, mate. You you get pushed into a lane that's really fast, yep. and fucking people buzzing by you. You got to get on your bike, and you got to you're gonna have to start getting them legs right, right, right on, James. <laughs> you gotta so you're going to go hard and fast, dude. <laughs> but uh, good luck to you. Man. It was really good talking to you. It's so good. Thanks, Mark. Thanks, guys. Really appreciate it.
3: Thanks for listening to another episode of The Mentor with Mark Boris. Audio and production is by Jessica Smalley. Production assistance, Simon McDermott.
2: This is a mentored podcast.
1: Planning for your next trip?